The Spirit of Jezebel, the Goddess Movement, a movement that is sweeping the world. Did you know the Goddess Movement is the fastest growing religion in the world today? The Goddess Movement is also known as Wicca. Yes, it's true. Goddess Spirituality or the Craft. Less than a generation ago, only a handful of Wiccans made their religion public. Most hid their craft behind closed doors, much like the Satanists. Once the Internet became an open forum to recruit and state their not-so-public beliefs, followers multiplied exponentially. Now the feminists being seated in society as a leading cultural group Wiccans were able to reinvent their post-feminist movement. Their turn post-feminists empowers feminists with the power needed for their newfound role in modern culture. As they claim, it is the next step for a feminist, Christian or not. Goddess, who may also call themselves witches, capitalize on the white part of magic. Although it needs to be noted that the newer generation of goddesses strays from the title or even references themselves as witches, particularly those who self-proclaim Christianity. Those within the goddess movement neither worship Satan directly nor practice the sort of malicious magic traditionally associated with black witches. The concept of white and black magic is based on the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Members of the goddess movement make use of this passage to advocate magic can be used for the good. The deception is both sides of the tree of knowledge get their orders from Satan. Members of black magic give Satan credit directly, whereas the goddess group indirectly gives Satan credit by way of making use of the magic Satan offers. The main objective of goddesses is to advocate female deity over that of males, minimally female deities first, and then a male deity. Most claim God had a wife by the name of Asherah, which suggests she was worshipped alongside Yahweh in his temple in Israel. But quality research proved Asherah was a tree idol possessed by a Phoenician goddess spirit commissioned by Ahab, Jezebel's husband, to be a goddess to sit alongside the throne of Baal, who was Jezebel's father. Furthermore, all the prophets, 400 plus of them, were required to serve Asherah first and then Baal. That's found right out of 1 Kings 18 verse 19. Female deities are not new to our world. You can trace the feminist movement back to the first goddess that we know of, the wife of Nimrod. Well, you might want to know who Nimrod was. Well, he was the grandson of Ham, son of Noah. Well, it seems weird to us, Nimrod's mother and wife were two of the same, Semiramis. According to historical records, a various legends, Semiramis required Nimrod to build a statue of her and place it at the bottom of the Tower of Babel, 
While the tower was being constructed, on full moons all people needed to stop and worship her. Another unnerving fact is, she became pregnant after engaging in an adulterous affair while married to Nimrod. Around this time, Nimrod dies a violent and untimely death. In an effort to retain power and to hide her misdeeds, she makes a most audacious claim, one that would set the stage for the Babylonian cults throughout all the ages. She publicly declares that upon Nimrod's death, he had been resurrected as the god of the sun, and the sun god, Nimrod, used his rays to inseminate his wife slash mother with a child miraculously. This child was thus considered to be divinely conceived. The child's name was Tammuz, which she claimed was the incarnated Nimrod. Does this sound familiar? After the scattering occurred at the Tower of Babel, this story of the miraculous conception of this child disseminated throughout the world. It led to the rise of the various birth-death-rebirth cults that are literally scattered throughout history. These mysterious religions of future generations adopted different names for this miraculous child, Tammuz, who became known throughout the ages as the father of all goddesses. Oh, by the way, even though Semiramis was the daughter of Ham, cultists and goddess alike state her as the daughter of a goddess. Keep in mind, gods and goddesses were humans until reincarnated. Semiramis's mother supposedly had mermaid-like features with the head of a woman and the body of a fish. Something sounds fishy about this story. Seriously, this is the first documented story of the birth of the goddess movement. The term mystic goddess is derived from the Greek noun mystistia, which initially designated itself as a secret cult or mystery of female divines. While the Babylonians get the credit for launching goddesses, female divines, the classic Greek, that's during the 5th and 4th century BC, are the ones who popularized it, organized, and moved the secret society from the dark rooms to public life. Early Christianity, the seven churches, watched the Greeks and the Roman state church move these pagan images from the closet to adorning their buildings. The leaders of these pagan goddesses, now adorning their structures, were pressuring early Christians to pay homage to these naked idols of sexuality before entering their churches. Literally. Interesting enough, Christ himself addressed and warned five out of the seven churches regarding this issue. Unlike the modern millennial goddess movement, their religion's earliest adherents worshipped two deities, one of each sex. The mother goddess, the birth giver, who brings into existence all of life. The second being the horned god, a male hunter, 
who died and was resurrected once a year. Male shamans dressed in skins and horns in identification with the god and the herds, but priestess presided naked, embodied the fertility of the goddesses. In return, the goddesses would use the hunter, the males, to accomplish their objectives, much like Jezebel accomplished through her husband Ahab and her sons. Outside of Eve, Jezebel was Satan's most elevated woman. Jezebel was the queen with Ahab. The Lord remembers her for destroying the prophets of God in 1 Kings 18 verse 4. She was so destructive, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in caves. She despised Elijah the most. Why? He was an immovable male leader that demonstrated the immovability of God the Father, whom she hated. For this very reason, she worked tirelessly to turn the Hebrew people to the god Baal, a male god who births goddesses. Or to put it into proper biblical perspective, Jezebel had a goal to have all of the Hebrews worship the spirit of her father, who was king of Tyre, and his name was Ethbal. Should also be noted that during much of the Old Testament, Satan was the king of Turkey. You can read about that in Ezekiel chapter 28. There's a direct connection between Satan and the goddess movement, past and present. As tradition has it, Satan would possess key leaders and rule his kingdom of darkness through mortal flesh by way of advancing female rights, a practice that he has used since the day of the garden. He began this method of deception by elevating Eve and will end his empirical demise through elevating a whore, a harlot, according to Revelation 17, verse 15. Also keep in mind Satan is not only a god of darkness, but he is also the angel of light. Meaning, he doesn't show his real colors up front. He does, however, appear to all as a goddess-type figure, which God references as the great whore. And that's in Revelation 19, verse 2. A question must be asked, why does Satan relentlessly prostitute women to advocate his end times goals? First, we need to remember that nothing is new under the sun. Secondly, Satan is a simple-minded leader. He sticks to what works. In the garden he went directly to the woe-man because of one fact. She was created as and from a secondary source of Adam. She came from his side. Allow me to remind you of one of the most basic principles in the Bible. The woe part of organic woman means weakness. In ancient Hebrew, when you put them together, you have the definition, the weaker part of man. Not because she is lesser than, but yes, because she was created from Adam's most fragile mortal flesh, his side, by way of a rib. It is recorded that 100% of all references to a woman is a secondary derivative of man. You can find those in the terms used 
woman, she, her, female, and even goddess. Yes, you guessed it. Goddess is a secondary god of a male divine. Hopefully you see the obvious. In the end, there will be a standoff between the two male god figures, Satan, father of lies, and Yahweh, God the Father, the Father of Truth. And, of course, truth is Jesus. If you've been keeping up with your studies in the book of Revelation, you know who wins in the end. Why does God use the title of a great whore in depicting the fake church? Since the days of the original Babylon, men have prostituted women for more than just one horrid reason. But the biggest one is money. The other would be power. In modern Hebrew, man means penetrator, and woman means penetrated. To help us understand our topic, we need to review two negatives of each definition. First, the penetrator can form harm by rape, promiscuity, or generalized lust. Secondly, he can use the penetrator to match the most significant appetites of the penetrator. For a price, that is. That's why they call it prostitution. As for the penetrated, it is equally as ugly. Women have used sex to give what they want from the early days of creation. Was that too ugly for you? Well, try this on for size. Unless sexual relations is an expression of shared love ordained by God through his standards, it falls into the category of whoredom. As our passage is about to reveal to us, Jezebel-type women have learned to use man's most significant appetite as a penetrator to get what she wants. One of the seven churches got in trouble with Jesus over this issue. It actually says in Revelation chapter 3, verses 19 through 24, But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. And she teaches and leads my bondservants astray, so that they commit acts of immorality, and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless... They repent of her deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold these teachings, who have not known the deeper things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. The name Jezebel has come down through the centuries. It is a generalized name for all wicked women who demand others to worship them. In modern usage, the name Jezebel is sometimes used as a synonymous term for sexuality of promiscuity, controlling women, feminists, womanists, and participates of the goddess society. The critical difference between feminist and a womanist is very simple. A feminist is usually white and a womanist is usually black. 
Both carry the same message, and that is, I am no man's slave. There's an irony in all this. The Jezebel movement might be touting white magic, but if you get one of them mad, you might see a little of black magic spring forth. Bottom line is there's nothing new under the sun. From a biblical point of view, to connect the modern goddess movement with the spirit of Jezebel, and the story of Nimrod's wife is a no-brainer. The real challenge is in helping people connect the fastest-growing religion with the whore Jesus speaks out against in the book of Revelation. It says in Revelation 19.2, Because his judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot, who was corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. The great offense to God is fundamental and undeniable. Even though he gave us plenty of warnings and a boatload of stories from the Bible, just to warn us how this whore will corrupt the earth. The masses simply unsubscribe from God, so to speak, and move on from this issue. No matter how the church members or even unsaved people ignore this alarm regarding the goddess movement, it will come upon them. Neo-pagan goddesses tend to be white, middle-class, highly educated, and politically involved in liberal and environmental issues and causes. They love the mystic arts such as yoga, shamanism, contemplative nature, and divine intelligence coming from the core of self, culture, and humanity. Special note, though, when Christians engage in yoga or any other core manifestation art, they swap the Atman, or the cosmic self, for the spirit of a Christ. Both are demonic. Here's our bottom line. The goddess movement is nothing short of a matriarchal religion. Purposing to backseat male-driven divines, particularly any group that claims God is a he, or Jesus is a he. These terms replace its previous label, which was post-feminist movement back in the 70s. In the late 70s, they worked to reinvent a religion to glorify the woman. It is often tied into Wicca, neo-paganism, and other New Age beliefs. Their religion and culture movement are based on a peer-reviewed claim that all cultures were once matriarch. That simply is not true. But I will give them this. The next generation is sure to be full-on matriarchal. The matriarchal culture is now sweeping the globe like a plague of locusts. Without question, this movement is setting the stage for the queen of the end times. As Jesus said, for he, Jesus, has judged the great whore who was corrupting the earth with her immorality. If you hear of anyone who touts matriarchal spirituality or governance, run quickly, hide, for there is a queen bee chasing you, and her sting is to be feared. In the first half of her seven-year reign, she will be offering her white magic. But in the second half of Satan's seven-year reign, 
full-on destruction comes on this great whore. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message today. You can get a PDF copy of the transcript of this video. Please feel free to contact me and I'll get that to you. Until next time.